0: Hi everyone, my name is Patrick Akio and for today's episode we cover company culture, diversity and inclusion and even work culture in Asia. Because my guest worked there for a few years before she co-founded Techface and she's currently managing director over there as well. Priska Burkhardt, I'll put all her socials in the description below, check her out. And with that being said, enjoy the episode. Beyond coding. Right, but I looked a little bit into your past and I mean, I saw you went and did your job at hong kong and even shenzhen for a few years before i don't know if it was before you came into the tech space or when it was during but you saw a completely different culture there in asia can you tell us a little bit about like that gradual step that you made towards the tech path and even that your career steps in asia
1: yeah, so basically I finished my education like I did the part-time bachelor's degree here in Switzerland. And for me, it was yeah. always the goal or the idea that I want to work abroad because I'm always fascinated, especially from the Eastern culture. And yeah. these different mindsets and culture that always fascinated me. So I was reaching out. I was working at the time for UBS and I was reaching out to my bosses saying like, I'd like to go abroad. Is there any kind of opportunity for me to go abroad? And they helped me to... To get this job in in Hong Kong, and um, I think that for me it was it was for the whole time I was there. It was still every day I had this interaction with a new culture, and every day I learned something new about different culture. And it doesn't matter which which industry you're in, if it's tech or any other industry, the the culture is very important or very indicating on how you work. Um, in the industry or how you work with other people and it's enriching as well it's like yep. learning new things not only on the task but what your what your teammates are teaching you what your clients your customers or whoever you work with are teaching you. it's very very inspiring very insightful and, and gives you a lot of idea of doing things differently than you did before
0: yeah i can imagine. I. I like to envision myself also working abroad, especially in Asia, just because that that culture seems, I don't know what it is, maybe it's a lot of the media I've seen, but it's very attractive to me to kind of experience that, because I think it's completely different. But what is like the, like a few of the biggest differences you've seen, especially on the workplace there?
1: And one big difference for me was um, that as an employee, as a team member, you always more or less listen to your team leader. And mm. you never oppose. So, what yeah. your team leader is telling you, what your boss is telling you, that's true. And you just accept it, you say yes, and you do it. Whereas, yeah. we in Switzerland, we, we used to like challenges uh, or challenge our bosses as well. So, when we had team meetings and we we're discussing any kind of um, task or what to do next, project, so everybody was invited and able to state their voice or their, their insights. This did not happen in in Hong Kong so often. So that was something I had to realize pretty early. And the good thing was I had a boss and she was working for a lot of um, European companies before and then with UBS as well. And she was used to that kind of working and she was seeking for this kind of working style. So she was asking me to give opinions and oppose her statements in the team meeting so that yeah. we can find the best way for everyone but with the other team members they were struggling with my <laughs> approach so yeah. i, I had like, a bit of a, yeah so it was it wasn't in the beginning it wasn't so easy and i I had some fights with team members as well because of that. Really? Like we, we, we were clashing, but it was like at the end, it worked out well. But in the beginning, we had to find our way. How do we work together? How are we different? What's, how can we make this work? And that's for me, was, it was pretty interesting in the beginning to see how they, like, really, if the boss comes to you and say, tells you you have to do X, Y, Z, you just say yes and you do it, even if it's not working and then later in my career or later in my time in hong kong i was also leading a team where i had again didn't quite realize that this is the way it works so i told my team certain things to do and they said yes said yes and they went on to do this and then like two weeks later you come up i was like so what's the status on this task and they were like yeah it didn't work i was like yeah why didn't you tell me (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh you just told me to do that and that's it. So you really have to go after it and ask, did it work? Why didn't it work? Can we do something different? They, they're they not coming up from them by themselves telling you, well, what you told me to do is not working. So um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a big cultural difference there. And it's, it's interesting to work this way, but it's a lot to learn. You need to realize, oh, they think differently. So yeah. make sure you keep that in mind and make sure you adjust also to the way they used to work. But, at the same time, also being able to give them an insight from another point of view and giving them tools and methods how you, they can do their work differently, um, I thought was, as a leader, as a team leader, an interesting challenge for me and, and a place to learn as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, as you described it, I like that you said it's the opposite for the Swiss culture. It's the polar opposite for the Dutch culture as well, like completely not challenging your boss or those decisions yeah mm-hmm. i think people here do it automatically it's so like inherited in the culture in there that coming into a space where that is not the norm that's going to feel very very strange very unfamiliar mm-hmm. i guess which mm-hmm. I, I i can totally imagine <laughs> in that way then as well yeah. uh, and then we're about just, uh, oh sorry, sorry go ahead
1: I was also studying in in Hong Kong. I did my master's degree in Hong Kong, and and also yeah. there was kind of funny to see because we had, um, we had teachers from from Asia and teachers from Western part like Europe and the US, and it was also the way they they taught and the way they did mm. their exams and everything was very different, and it was kind of funny that whenever I had a Western teacher, my my grades were much better than when I had a <laughs> Eastern teacher. <No> way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's really crazy but what i was wondering is specifically back to the workplace when it comes to diversity did you see the same challenges that you see back in switzerland or even in europe when it comes to ats or even the biases that there are when hiring
1: um no because the, the one thing in asian culture which is very similar i think here also in switzerland but a lot of people don't realize it yet it's a lot of going through network so you Mm. need like relationship is the one thing in asia that's very important and so if you have if you know the right people it's easy to get a job because you just tell the people i need i need a job or they help you to get into the right uh, position so it's all about relationship in switzerland this is the case as well with the networks the problem is people in switzerland don't like to network so much so it's like it's very a tight net, net network. So you have certain groups like the biggest network existing in Switzerland from my point of view is the military, okay. and only guys are going to the military. So if you've been in the military, um, you have your network there. You know certain people um, from different kind of industry, and this is how you get also jobs as well in Switzerland. The second or is then the university. So if you've studied, you have your network from the university. And then it's the, your company. But outside of this, a lot of people don't build a network. Whereas in Asia, this is very important. If you go to a networking event in Asia, you, you yep. can stand there the whole evening. And every two minutes, there's another person coming up to you with his card and, and introducing himself or herself and talking about wow. what they do, giving the card two minutes later, they're gone. <laughs> so it's, like, it's really like spreading your cards, making sure everybody knows you. So it's a lot about... um having this network so this is definitely different so it's it's i think it's a different way of applying for jobs in in asia and the other thing which i saw in when we talk about diversity is um in asia it's very common that you have a nanny for your kids and especially in hong kong hong kong is a very rich country or like the special administrative administrative region of of china And they have a lot of nannies and maids from, especially Philippines, they're live-in maids. So as a woman, you're not, this is not an issue for you that nobody's looking after your kids. So yeah. if you, you can go full time back to work after three months maternity leave and you will be working from nine to ten, whatever it is required, because you don't need to think about when do I need to pick up my kids? When do I need to feed them? Are they sick? Do I need to stay at home? That doesn't exist there. And if you don't yeah. have the maid, you have the grandmother because that's traditional. It's family. So it's it's very normal that your mother is taking care of your kids. Then. So that's makes it more diverse in regards to gender diversity so you see a lot more women in leading position than compared like in Switzerland or maybe even the rest of Europe
0: Yeah yeah I can imagine that I mean if I think about my my own upbringing I'm the oldest and I have three siblings so we're four at home basically and my mom would move heaven and earth to make sure like we go to school she would pick us up or arrange someone to pick us up right and she would do everything or at least everything with the family and And even with me, since I was a little bit older than my siblings, but I couldn't imagine even growing up with a nanny or having someone from kind of an outside family in there. So the fact that it is completely normal in China, like that's such a cultural difference and inherited in that culture. That's so, so hard to change here, I guess, that stigma of mothers actually going back to work, to the workforce for full time again. Mm -hmm. That seems really hard to me, even like a cultural shift in there. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and on top of the culture, what you also have in Switzerland is the the social structure. I would say so. Mm. We don't have like day schools in in Switzerland. You go to school from like eight to twelve, and then you come home for lunch, and then you go back to school at one thirty until four o'clock. So you don't have yeah. the structure. You don't have childcare like kitas. You don't like you do have kitas, but they're not um, sub- subsidized. So you need to pay them yourself, which costs a lot of money. And these are things where you see in a lot of other countries, they just exist. You have day school, so that you go into school at eight in the morning, you finish at five and you're entertained as a kid during this time. And that yeah. doesn't exist here. So you, you have no other choice than staying at home.
0: Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I recognize and I see that the diversity level as we want it is not where it is right now, right? We're we're far below that Um I do like that it's getting more awareness because I think before you can change something, you need to be aware first of it existing and the benefits that it can bring you. But for me, the next step in kind of shifting that, that's a cultural shift or that's an organizational shift. And those out of experience, I know those take the longest. Like that is not something that happens overnight. That's going to take a long, long time before it can shift in and of its own. So what would you say an organization can do to kind of, Take that first step in creating that shift for their own organization or for others
1: i think it's what you said it's about awareness so you need to be aware first of all who is your workforce you have like yeah. do you have at all a diverse workforce or not and if it's not diverse you're not going to change culture why should you change a culture of something that works fine or that knows each other very well and this is the same there's no need to change a culture most of the time they wanna have the diverse culture because it brings benefits such as more innovation and more revenues for the company. So the first step is really being aware, where are we standing? How can we, like, what What do we wanna reach? Do we wanna have a diverse workforce? And then what does a diverse workforce need to be able to function? And we should also not think about in silos saying, okay, if we wanna have a diverse workforce, we wanna have more women, Women have kids, so we need to have um, a family-friendly environment and just look after parents. You don't have just parents. You also have people who ask for more time off or a different um, work style because they maybe have another hobby or they have other um, needs they want to fulfill. And so it needs to be clear that it should apply or has to be applied to everyone who is part of the workforce, that if you want to change the culture, if we want to be able to offer more flexibility for example that needs to apply to everyone and of course you can um, do it individually that you say okay every person gets what they want but where is the common denominator how can we offer something everyone can take benefit from as well and and find this one and, and start working from there. And don't expect to change it in, as I said, overnight. It's not gonna happen. So take smaller steps, some smaller changes and see how it works. Be open to try and error. Tr- try to change something, see how it works. And if it doesn't work, th- just don't say, oh, it doesn't work, we're not doing it. But think <laughs> about why isn't it? wasn't it working and what needs to sh- change to make it work. Or maybe it's something you tried And you say, no, that's definitely not going to happen in our company, which is perfectly fine as well. But understanding why it's not happening would be very important in this case.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. When it comes to kind of those flexibility options that you gave, the biggest one, and I think the latest one, is like a work from anywhere or even work from any time, right? You can do your your sports and exercises in the morning or in the afternoon. It doesn't matter to us as long as the, the job gets done at the end of the day. That's like flexibility-wise something that an organization can offer. But I also like that you point out, like, where's the line in there, right? Because you can't tailor fit each and every person's kind of social life or their personal life also in their professional life. So you have to figure out what those commonalities are. Mm -hmm. But then my question would be, like, how how would you figure that out? Like, are you going to do a poll with the organization and they're going to select? Like, is it going to be democracy or... Because people can also feel excluded in that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, I mean, we are all about democracy here in Switzerland, so yeah, I think there's <laughs> exactly. a good way to go. But I, I guess it would be just important that you have to talk to your employees. You, you need mm. to ask them what do you need, and and not the question of do you need now a, a half day off or do you need different kind of working hours. It's like what do you need to be able to live your life and yeah. and someone that they're they're for sure people they say i want to have this eight to five working hours i i want to go to the office and, and have my desk and work here from eight to five this is what i want and others will tell you no i i have other things to do and i want to start later i want to come in maybe just two days and then take all this information and see how can you pack this together and As I said before, start with the small part. Maybe you just start with one team and and build something around this team and figure out how it works. And then slowly starting getting in everyone on board and showcase that changes are working before you try to push a change to everyone in your workforce. So I think it's very important that you get your workforce on board from the beginning, that you talk to them, you explain to them why you do certain things that you yeah. make them aware that you're not sure it, if it's working. So that often it happens like your management comes and it, it tells you, this is how we do it. And that's the only and the correct way. <clears throat> and that yeah. I think that's very bad for, for a company because it hinders also innovation or different mindsets to, to chip in and, and give their opinion. So I think it, it's very important for management to say, hey, look, we have an idea. We talk to you. This is the feedback. This is what we would like to try. Of course, we are not sure if it's going to work. So let's try together and see if it works out. And if it does not work out, that you can stand up as a management and say, yeah, we fucked up. So it, yeah. it didn't work out. But let's try something new. We learned the lessons. We maybe figured out a different way to start, to offer flexible work um, time, for example. <clears throat> but I think it's very important to get your um, workforce on board in the beginning, Um Let them have a say, even make them aware that you might not be able to adjust to everything what they're saying, but give them the opportunity to say, uh, give in their opinion as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that transparency and, and openness that you described, that's what I really appreciate in kind of my management or my leadership layer in that way, right? We're trying this because we're trying to solve this as a problem. Do you guys see this problem? Yes or no? These are the options. These are the ones we pick. And if it doesn't work out, we can say, well, it didn't work out. We're going to figure out why it didn't work out. And we might pick one of the other options or we're going to forego this. But at least that communication, transparency and openness, right not sweeping the failures under the rug, Mm -hmm. but actually being open and vocal about it. I think that that speaks volumes, at least to me when I see that. I really appreciate that openness and transparency. And I'm starting to expect it more and more as well. And if it's not there, then, yeah, that's a signal as well. Oh. when it comes to the diversity and the flexibility of an organization right i i did a poll on my linkedin on this do you want to work with people that are similar to you or more different than you and a lot of people said a kind of a balance in there right but if you look at your own workforce and you see a lot of people similar th- to you then probably also your hiring process is completely tailored to that right hiring people that are kind of like-minded uh, for those reasons but if you want to shift that then It really starts also with your hiring process, right? For the people that you're hiring, they're going to look at your culture. And if they don't see that diverse culture that they want, they might not join your organization in there because of that. So then you get into this vicious cycle that your organization is not as diverse, but then it also can't attract diverse people because they don't see themselves in there. Like how can you break out of that cycle more from a hiring perspective?
1: Um, and you have to start very early in the hiring pro- um, uh, process, so you yeah. start hiring in different places, and th- this is what I experience when I talk to companies, and they tell me, uh, "We we won't find many women applying for our jobs because but yeah. we want more women." And I was like, "Yeah, you. Where do you post your jobs? How do you post them? And if you keep on posting them in the same location in, or in the same websites online or." LinkedIn or groups or whatever you're getting the same response so you first of all need to reach out to communities, groups you usually don't reach out to reach different people so it starts very very early in the process but that doesn't help either if you then have done in the latest steps when you have all the interviews if you still have the same people doing the interviews Yeah. so you can bring in the diverse group of of, uh, applicants but then you Have to interview, and they basically tell you, No, it, it's, it's not a good fit for our culture. That's what they use
0: exactly, to <laughs> so, yeah.
1: but the underlining is, You're not the same as us, so don't come to a work with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very sad, I think. It, your poll shows this. I think that the, the reason why it's so balanced is a lot of people would. Love to say I'm looking for diversity or want to work with different people, but the reality is they are not doing it consciously when they hiring. So it's yeah. like I'd like to like I'd like to lose weight, but I keep on eating chocolates. That's not gonna work either. <laughs> I like that <laughs> so, analogy. <Yeah. laughs> so I think this is it, it's it's very important that not only saying I like to do something, but just doing it. But it's very hard. Because it's very hard to discuss with someone who is not your opinion. yeah. And it's like it's it's the confirmation bias behind that. So it's much easier to work with someone who agrees with you all the time. But this is not bringing any changes or any innovation to your product, to your company. And it, it's a hard process. I mean, I experienced myself. For me, everybody has this issue. You wouldn't spend you don't want to spend a day with a group of people you don't agree with what they, the way they live, for example, or their opinion. <clears throat> but it would be very interesting to get new insights, to get new perspective, and maybe yeah. um, start looking at processes, products in a different way. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, it, it's hard work, but it's, if you want to change it in the hiring process, you need to be aware and sure that you do it in every single step and you have to measure it. So especially when I talk to companies, when they say we're not getting the the applicants or we don't have um, a high gender diversity, it's like yeah, where where does it stop? And with most of them, I must say, it doesn't even start. So I have they have to start with like where are they resources? How do they um, attract talents? Where do they attract talents? What's the process then in the interview process? And who is making the decision at the end? And then once you're hired and you work there what's how long will you stay with the company are you as a woman when you say like when you want to have the gender diversity and do you lose those women within six to twelve months after hiring or are you losing them at a later point in time so this is also the whole retention um topic is then also very important
0: interesting yeah i mean the the hiring in and of its own is a challenge already right but once you've hired the right amount of people or the people that would increase your culture and enrich it and enrich the diversity in there as well, those people also need to have the opportunities to grow within that company, right? Absolutely. Just as everyone has, if there's no position for you and you're looking for the next step and your company cannot offer that, then you're going to look outside, right? And I think, I don't know how it is for women specifically, but do they get kind of those same opportunities or do they are they like foregone for other people in that way as well?
1: No, they're not getting the same opportunities. And here is when we talk about um, the differences, really. Because another thing that I hear a lot from companies or from managers, they they tell me, oh, we treat all the same. And I'm always telling them, and this is the biggest problem, because Mm. we are not the same. And so you can't give everyone the same process because we act differently. And I know from myself, when I was still employed and working for a big corporation, I wasn't necessarily the, the person who went up to the manager say, I want to have now a promotion. Yeah. So this is, this is what women usually don't do. They rather um, think, oh, I, ho- I work hard, I do my best, I bring everything into the company, and then I, it will automatically, I will get my promotion. This does not happen, especially not in the bigger companies. So you have to really be very vocal about what you do. You have to be in the important meetings. Everybody needs to know you that you get this promotion and yeah. this is this is one of the reasons why it's not happening, but the question is, and I'm not agreeing to this. do we need to change ourselves to get the same opportunities so do I need to do I need really as a woman not being vocal, do I need to change myself being more vocal about my my performances to get a promotion? And I say, no, we have to remain as we are. we are different, and this difference makes us what we are and we shouldn't change and become more like the man around us to get then the opportunity to be promoted and that's a very important aspect that's usually overlooked in, in bigger companies i don't know much about the smallest i haven't been working in in smaller companies so often so it's it's rather difficult to say but i wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if it's the same in the smaller companies
0: yeah yeah that's interesting i i mean I do recognize that when it comes to a promotion or a salary increase, I push. I, I do not wait. Like that is my kind of default mode. But I know my girlfriend works at a, at a bigger company. That's not her default mode. She's way more reserved. She's like, I did the work. The right people know me. I deserve this. And when it does or does not happen, yeah, that that's where the difference is, right? She didn't push for it. She shouldn't have to push for it. But those processes are kind of tailor-made for the people that push for it, that are more vocal, that say, well, I'm frustrated for X, Y, and Z. So then they get hurt. But then you overstep like the other people that do put in the work in that way. Like That's a complete process change. And then I would think it starts with awareness for people that make those decisions, right? That they are aware of the culture that exists and the differences of the way people work and the way people vocalize if they're happy or not. Yeah, if Actually. that awareness is not there, then I don't think those processes are going to change by themselves.
1: No, they yeah. won't.
0: Yeah, that's that's really difficult then, because I mean, from my personal experience, I haven't been in those positions where I get to make those decisions. But if you're unaware of something that is completely happening and and should be within your control, it's hard to step out of that, right? Mm-hmm. How do people? How do how would those processes change then? Because those people are even aren't even aware. Of the things and the culture that they're creating in that way
1: yeah i think an important thing you just said is even if you're not in management position and you're not part of the process you still be able to change this or being part of the change as well as an ally so if you like for example if you're in a meeting with a group of people and you realize and it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman someone is not able or is overheard is is speaking up but nobody's taking on what this person is saying being this person's ally by saying for example but this is what she said for before why don't we yeah. um keep on what she's saying what she was saying or why don't we ask her again so like having this allyship and supporting those you feel like are overheard even if you're not the manager and i think that's that's one thing which i, I feel is very important which i also see is happening now after having all this discussion about diversity we need to start discussion discussing inclusion and that's like the really we need the the diversity as basis but we need the inclusion to make it grow at the end of the day so we need to have everyone on board when we talk about diversity and not just saying well we have a, a minority group is it women, um, or is it any other group that is not as present as in the male-dominated area as men, but really being able to include everyone in the process and not just say, yeah, whatever we do is just for a minority group and we're just taking care of them, but what can I do as being part of not the minority group to help including them in my workforce, as well as the minorities need to think about how can we get the inclusion of the the bigger the majority group um to make this really happen to make this change happen
0: yeah i i agree with that i do think though like when when there's tight deadlines and when there's stress and there's a meeting involved then it's usually the same people talking right so then you kind of because of that pressure and those deadlines you overstep that inclusion and you're like okay we're kind of in in operational mode we need to get stuff done and you don't Take the time to include everyone in those decisions and those opinions then, because those need time in that way, right? You can't do that as well, I think, or it's challenging to do that when things are really crunching deadline-wise. And I feel like almost in every organization that I've been in, deadlines are always there and the time is always the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah you,
1: you fall back to your usual pattern if you're on exactly. stress. Exactly. But you can train that before i mean you can think about how do i react in stress and how can i not react this way when i get into a stress situation so simulate stress situation and, and being more aware of, of how you're reacting and like saying this the time is it's kind of funny i was reading an article recently where they say that diverse um teams are able to solve problems better than yeah. homogeneous team and they did a they did a test like they researched it they put people together and they had homogeneous team, they couldn't solve a problem, whereas diverse people, they were faster in solving the same problem. So, yeah. I mean, yes, time is always an issue, but I think even there, you have a good argument when you say, well, if we bring in everyone and, and being able to hear from everybody's um, side, their their input, we might find a better solution that saves us time as well.
0: Yeah. I like that a lot, right? Because then time, you're looking at either short-term or long-term, right? If taking the time right now is going to give us the better solution down the long run, then it will save you that time because you make better decisions because of that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't see that, if you have kind of that short-sightedness in you, you're like, okay, the fastest decision. So we, we fail the fastest and we learn from there, right? Those are two completely different paradigms. And being aware of that, that result, right? more brains, more diverse brains, think of better solutions in the end, mm-hmm. can save you time down the long run. I really like that addition mm-hmm. in there. Yeah,
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: When it comes to organizations, right? Let's say we do have diverse organizations. I've been in a team where I was sitting at a lunch group. It was like one of the first jobs I had. And I was counting like each and every one's different culture or background. And we had like eight different nationalities at the same table. And I was like, that's a really cool feeling because I learned a lot from there. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I'm looking at jobs or when I have looked at jobs in the past, I look for that kind of multinational diversity in there. But it's kind of hard to see from the outside if an organization has that because all organizations preach, oh, we're a diverse organization and we have these social structures in place and uh, it's better over this side. But how do you actually poke holes through that and see that either from the interview process or from the outside in that way? When you're looking to apply for a job,
1: Mm, we, we actually offer workshops to do that. Um, I think it's easy So there are two steps. Like the first one is before you apply for a job, you can investigate a company and you have, thanks to social media, a lot of resources to do that. So just go on LinkedIn and see how is the company presented there and then different things like First of all, are they talking just about the products and services or are they talking about their people as well? So yeah. how do they communicate to the outside world? And when they talk about their people, who are they? What are they doing? What have they reached? Are they from different levels, from different backgrounds, um, ethnicity and so on? Then you can also investigate the people or, who are working in the company. So if they have. Um, connected them on LinkedIn to the company. So you can see what are they what are they actually doing the whole day? Are they posting anything on LinkedIn about the company? Or are they interested in other topics? Are they active? And the more active they are, the more are they connected to the company and feel like, yeah, this is a company I work for. I'm happy to work here as well. And then you can, of course, you can see who is it that does that. Is it, is it usually more like the managers? Is it everyone on the, um, on in the company and so on, and then you have also Instagram. You have Facebook, is dying a bit, but TikTok as well. A lot of companies are starting being on TikTok. So it's really there's a lot of opportunity to investigate, and then of course their website itself as well. And yeah. I mean, it's it's for me it's always so funny when I see when I visit website of companies and they talk about diversity and how important that is, and then you scroll down and you see the team and it's all like white guys in their
0: 30s. <laughs> it's all the same it's people. Like, Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're diverse. And I mean this is a complete turnoff for me and or even the management board. It's like everyone looks the same and there is no not even a gender diversity and it's, for me it's really this is a sign you can talk as much as you want about we are diverse if you're not yeah. showing it. It's so it's like I was at the Europe forum yesterday talking about millennials in in Europe and they say show me don't tell me it's really show me what you really do. You can talk as much as you want, but you have to really show me. So this is the first step you can do, investigate the company. And then when you're in the interview process, you can think about questions you wanna ask. So like we do, when we do these workshops with company about, um, what, what's the culture so we have i spent two three hours with the company asking questions and i'm asking myself if i ever would apply for this job i would ask yeah. exactly the same question but unfortunately they wouldn't have three hours time for me <laughs> in <an> interview. <laughs> but these are the questions i'm asking it's like who is your like who is your hero who is the person people are looking up in the company and like these are questions you can think about before like note down these questions that not have anything to do with your job per se but can give you some indication on what's the culture or for example how do how does the management communicate with the stuff is it just like the the usual letter they're sending out or is there really an open door policy and if they say yeah we have open door policies like give me an example when you use the open door policy for yourself so this, yeah. there are questions you can un- ask to understand if it's just um the 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 lip services by yeah, yeah, we are diverse and we write it on our website, but in reality we aren't. Or are they really diverse?
0: Exactly. I, I like the example of I mean even LinkedIn, because the involvement of people, like a company doesn't get to decide that, right? It's your LinkedIn profile, you get to decide what you like and what you don't like. But if you really like what a company is putting out there, you can see that you are aligned with that company from an outside mm-hmm. perspective, which then means probably you really like the company, you like working there. So from an outside perspective, that must be a cool company to work with then as well. Okay. And when it comes to that interview process, I've been in a lot of interviews. I've talked to this in the past. I did interviews to get better at interviewing. And one of the things I learned was it has to be a match for both sides, right? So when it's your time to ask questions, ask those questions. Take all the time that you can get. Ask how long you can you can ask those questions and ask as many as you can to get that information to see if this is the workplace that you would see yourself in, Mm -hmm. even when it comes to diversity and inclusion and openness and transparency. Because I think, but this is my my personal opinion, I'm I'm wondering what your take on this is is as well. I think organizations need to distinguish themselves, not just by compensation, but what they offer next to that. When it comes Mm -hmm. to their culture, their workforce, their way of working, and what they offer for the people with regards to the match of kind of their professional life and their personal life. I think the organizations that do that well are organizations that are going to make it to the future. And organizations that cannot do that well are not going to make it for the long run.
1: Absolutely. I fully agree to that. Uh, There was another study I read recently about millennials. And they're looking more for diversity than salary. They would reject the job offer even if the salary is better if they don't show a diversity in their workforce. Yeah. So, and, and that's just one part. The other part is also how can I grow in a, in a company? And this is what I hear a lot when I have coaching calls. And they ask me, so what could be a good company for me? I want to have a company. I want to work for a company where I can grow as well, where I have opportunities to develop and either become a leader or go into a different direction. And this is what everyone, not just women, are looking for. And if you're not able to, to present that or to offer that, you, you're going to lose big time in the future as a company
0: yes yeah yeah absolutely one of the lingering questions i still had was you you touched on networking early on when it comes to the asian culture that it's a bit more normal in there that you get your jobs even through those relationships and your network that you have but when i look at my my personal network it's it's now getting bigger and bigger but early on i didn't want to pay attention to my network i didn't know the value that it could bring to me and i mean i'm i'm partly introverted, partly extroverted. But coming up to someone in like a networking event, I, I didn't even think about going to networking events because I was like, nah, that's just not not for me. When it comes to the network and the, the value that, that it can add, what would you say or what advice would you give to focus on when you're a bit more early in career when it comes to building your personal network, right? When you haven't gone to the army or to new, to university and you don't have that default network through there?
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very similar than you. I, I still hate networking. I still hate going <laughs> yeah. to. You know, I, I love to go to events where I have to speak because then it makes yeah. it easier for me because everybody comes to me afterwards. I know once. you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, so that's the easiest part. But anyway, if you're not in this situation early in your career, you're not in. You're not. Oh, unless you're really an expert in something, you seldom get invited to speak at events. But just focus on events with a specific topic. Um, Don't try to go to networking events, they're very very broad and open, so attracting everyone, but make sure you go on a topic, so it could be, for example, be on web development or maybe some um, very specific AI topic, NLP, if it's in in the tech area, but make sure you you pick a topic that's very distinct, because that makes it already easier to have... a starting ground for a discussion. So you can always go up and, and to someone and say, So what brings you here? What's what's your relation to, for example, AI if you go to these kind of events? It makes yep. it a bit easier to talk about. Whereas when you have this big networking events, you don't know what the other people are doing. And <laughs> I, I, I always feel it's hard to go to someone and ask, so what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. When uh, If you have this topic, it makes it easier. Also events where you see that they have an interaction part. So for example, when they say, okay, we have a speech and then afterwards we have um, workshops in small groups then it's also easier to, to get the uh, conversation going. So you have a first step. Um, a lot of people, and this is the mistake I did as well. Um, you just network within your own company, especially when mm. you work with bigger companies. So just like try to get out of your own company, and if you want to stay within your company, try to get connected to people with uh, outside the, the your usual circle of people or the team that area you're working with. So I think that's um, that's something that needs to be done to really open up your network to other people. So I think events and then outside your team. And there are actually a lot of interesting platforms giving you the opportunity to to network with people you would usually not meet. Like this, there was one, I can't remember what it's called. I haven't been attending it. Um, but it was a, a platform where you can sign up, and then you can and have some meetings. Um, you'd sign up for two meetings with anyone from the platform okay. where you have some similar interest, and they just set up the meeting for you and then you meet them at lunchtime, for example, for a 45 minutes call. And it was very interesting to see that it was never a dull um, meeting. It was never where you were sitting there thinking like, well, what do we talk about? It was <laughs> always like, let's talk about anything and and it went from one topic to the next to the next it was always very interesting and this kind of meeting so there are platforms out there where you can do these kind of things so search for these to broaden your network and then use linkedin as well i mean linkedin is a perfect place i feel everyone who is on linkedin and rejecting any kind of invitation on linkedin um is questionable for me because why are you on LinkedIn? (laughs) and the only reason the only good uh, important advice i give here is you always have to give a good reason or a message when you reach out to someone on linkedin so if someone just sends me a request without telling me why they want to connect with me or without um seeing obviously that we have something in common i don't accept these kind of requests but if someone is is very genuine coming to me say hey interesting profile i'd love to follow you Um, can we connect here I'm open to connect with anyone. And also yeah. they can send me afterwards a message, maybe ask for a, have a quick chat um, over a coffee, online coffee or so. I love these kind of meetings, even if it's just a one-off meeting, but it's, it's an opportunity to get to know someone else and to get to know another perspective. So I think online networking is equally important as offline networking.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love the example of like finding common ground when it comes to Kind of the, those offline networking moments because then you already have conversation starters without that i i completely agree with you it's really hard to come up to someone and be like how how's your how are you doing <laughs> exactly. like completely
1: yeah there is uh, one thing one other option but that's very seldom that's happening if you have the chance to get the list of attendees or if you see yeah. um, that other people are attending the same event try to reach out to them before the meeting and say hey I've seen you're attending the event um, very interesting profile I would love to talk to you about xyz at the meeting or at the event let's let's chat there and then when you see the person if this is possible then you can go up and say hey I, I reached out to you before that makes it easier as well to break the ice
0: yeah yeah that's a nice one I I really love how this conversation flowed kind of getting an insight in your personal history working in Asia as well and your take on diversity, inclusion, and company culture, and how how we can shift it to the better. Is there anything that's missing that you would still want to add on top of that?
1: No, I think we talked about a lot of things. It was great to share
0: this with you as well. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to round it off here. Then I'm going to put all her socials and links in the description. Priska Burkhardt, I I hope I pronounce your name correctly (laughs) like that, (laughs) all the way towards the end. (laughs) But I'm going to put all her socials in the description below. Check her out. Let her know you came from our show. And with that being said, thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one.